Welcome everybody to Star Trek. I guess I should give the star date, right? And now we start. Mm-hmm. Yes. Star date. <clears throat> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what our actual star date is. Uh, welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, where star dates don't matter. Uh, I am your reluctantly appointed temporary Captain Grant Davis, and with me on the view screen are... Mariah Gossett. Clyde Haynes. And Captain Mike is away on an away mission to the planet Naboo, where he is mud-rustling a Ferengi. Um, but we are your Star Trek Discovery <laughs> so Pod crew. So many things wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> We're your Star Trek Discovery Pod crew, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about st- the new Star Trek and beyond the movie. Beyond, I think. beyond, the, beyond, beyond, beyond. The, the Kelvinverse <laughs> movie. We, we mainly just talk about that. Um, this week, we're live streaming the pod over on YouTube, on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. We're covering the third episode of Star Trek Lower Decks Temporal Edict. And uh, honestly, I missed last week's episode with you guys. Um, I was I was on the away mission to Denver. And uh, I assume that you guys just hated the episode and everything's <laughs> awful and we're done with this whole podcast venture. Is that correct? I'm going to I'm going to say that's a no. Nope. Yeah, was it fun? Did you guys like it? I did like it. I liked that episode a lot. I'm yeah, so glad you missed it. Did you watch it <laughs> I or did. did you just watch this episode? <laughs> no, because I was afraid I was going to be confused if I just jumped in here. I was like I definitely need to watch that one. And they're that's only it. 20 like 5 minutes, so it's easy to just binge through. Yeah. yeah exactly. Last week was a was a pretty good episode actually. Yes, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, so Mariah, could you remind the listeners where they can listen to us? I am. I was correcting who directed and wrote this episode in the show notes for you. Oh, so, but just a reminder, uh, you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, anywhere that you find all the podcasts that you know and love. You can also watch us on YouTube and see our beautiful faces. I put on makeup just for y'all and I washed my hair. So double whammy today. Uh, but you can find all the links of where to listen and or see us at StarTrekPod.co. I did not put on makeup, uh, <laughs> nor did I wash or cut my beard. Uh, but I love you guys all the same. And if you want more, if you want to know how to hang out with us between pods and you want to do some really cool stuff, you can check out our Patreon um, so if you just give us, I don't know, what, two, two bucks, two bucks an episode, two bucks an episode, $2. you can then be invited to our Slack channel where you get to interact with us um, and talk about all kind of things. There are watch pods. There are discussions on pretty much all of the Trek things, you name it. Um, and you'll get access to some pretty cool stuff like the badass women of trek pod um and our kelvin verse pods and all of the extra star trek-esque pods that we do um and definitely shout out to mike and mariah who hold the patreon pods down um but yeah that's where we talk about old trek like tng and ds9 and voyager um so yeah check us out check out our patreon there's ponderings of some enterprise happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Is that true? Don't talk about that show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm scared to have, actually have to watch Enterprise. I've, I heard... I, I've watched some Enterprise, y'all. I, don't, I understand the theme song thing, but it's not. I like the show. I, I just okay. I keep I've tried three times to get into it. But that's it okay, because we're doesn't. not talking about Enterprise no. tonight at all. <laughs> no. We, we did just lose our one Enterprise fan who exists. They're gone. They, <laughs> they're no longer a fan. Come back. No, they're going to um, come back because they, like they like to yell at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enterprise people want to abuse the rest of us. Uh, and just a reminder, everyone, uh, listeners listening to the audio version of this podcast, you should make use of the fact that we do a live stream of this every Thursday at 9 p.m. Central. Just go to StarTrekPod.co and click on that YouTube link, or you can just subscribe to us over on our YouTube channel. You can watch us there. We're also over on Twitch. We're over on Facebook, I think, as well. So we're, we're, we're putting it out. We're putting ourselves out there. We do this whole thing live, and 
I don't know if we edit it too much after the fact, so we're pretty <laughs> accountable for everything that we say. And we love you when you guys are able to join, because if you guys come join us, you can chat with us. Like the people that are watching tonight, please do, do participate in the live chat. If you have any comments or questions you want us to address later in the pod, just type the word P-O-D in all caps right before your comment, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch that and bring it up uh, later in the episode. With all of that said, I think we're done with our intro portion. Let's go ahead and move on to talking about Lower Decks, everyone. This is episode three, titled Temporal Edict. This is directed by Bob Suarez. And uh, I think there was a little bit of a dispute here on who wrote this. Over on IMDb, it says Mike McMahon wrote it. Over on Wikipedia, however, it said this was written by Dave Illenfeld and David Wright, who seem to be like a writing combo, who've worked on like Family Guy and some other stuff as well. Um, so I don't know who wrote it. <laughs> the the written by on the credits that went up said said Mike McCann, oh. but um, well, maybe I mean sometimes they're all in the room. Yeah, sometimes in those writing things they give something over to other people, but if he ends up doing enough of a percentage of like rewrites at the end before it gets put put out, he's the one who takes credit. Ooh, contracts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was directed by B- Bob Suarez, who uh, has come from doing a bunch of other animated direction, uh, Big Mouth, Solar Opposites. It, it seems like he's worked on a lot of projects that Mike McMahon has also worked on. And our synopsis for this episode is a new work protocol elimin- eliminating buffer time has the Lower Decks crew running ragged as they try to keep up with their Titan schedules. Ensign Mariner and Commander Ransom's mutual lack of respect comes to a head during an away mission when things get very steamy, very sexually tense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And if you're new here, you're probably familiar with other podcasts giving their hot takes on things. But because this is Star Trek Discovery Pod, we don't give you guys any hot takes. We give you guys some. Hot freaks! <laughs> hot freaks time! Mariah, why don't you take it away and give us your hot freak on episode three? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like watching these uh, animated episodes at least twice just because they are so fast and like joke dense. And so, you know, my first watch this morning with my cup of coffee, it was like a nice way to start my day. I really enjoyed it. Um, And then on second watch, you know, I got to write all my little nerd notes about what aliens they're interacting with and all that kind of fun stuff. And, um, you know, I... I'm loving this show because we are getting to see so, and I'm going to probably say this every episode because we get it every episode. Uh, We get to see a different planet. We get to see different cultures. We're getting to see the Federation as it continues to expand because this is a second contact ship. Um, So I'm really enjoying getting to kind of see those interactions and how the universe continues to uh, sort of build itself through this show. Um, I really liked Boimler's worst fears coming to life at the end of this in that he was like living his best life as an overworked millennial kind of character who has now figured out a way to be the most efficient, which I I highly relate to (laughs) as someone who sometimes fears the downtime for for too much thought that can happen. (laughs) And then, um, you know, you kind of see the effects of what happens when you're overly efficient. So I thought it was a very smart episode in the way that it was written so much like a workplace uh, comedy, especially this episode. You know, we're getting to see the effects across the entire ship. It, it feels very much like something that you could see a plot line happening in like a Leslie Nope type of world. Like she would come up with this plan. So I enjoyed <laughs> how that played out. Um, and I thought the everything going on on um, the planet was so reminiscent to the original series. There's lots of fun little Kirkisms that happen in the battle. So um, I'm really enjoying all of these episodes and how they're balancing bringing us new stuff and then paying homage and leaving us lots of fun Easter eggs along the way. Uh, Clyde, what is your hot freak? My hot freak is... Um I thought this episode was okay. Um, I think coming off last episode where I was really into it, this one was like, um, it was okay. I didn't, it didn't, I'm not going to go back and say, yo, that episode three, that was a gem. That's the one. 
I think this one was just kind of kind of interesting. There were a couple moments, you know, um, you know. I was thinking as I get into this hot freight, let me uh, roll down my sleeves because uh, this isn't a barn. Um, <laughs> there were some great lines in it. Uh, I loved the fact that I got to see Ransom in a different light because at this point, up until this point, I just kind of looked at him and been like, eh. Right? Like, he's, uh, I don't know what he's bringing to the table. And, but this is like, wow, the guy can fight. He's, um, he's making some smart moves. It was, uh, I was enjoying it. Um, sorry, I, I put up a, an image on the screen, probably a little bit, uh, a little bit preemptively. But <laughs> I, I saw a question from, uh, Chupi who said, uh, does anyone know the, who voiced the little alien leader guy? His voice was so oh. familiar. And I'm not actually sure it's Neil Casey, but I kind of thought it was Neil Casey, who is uh, this actor right here. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually worked alongside um, our own Rutherford, Eugene Cordero, on the show um, Other it Space. Is, it is Neil mm. Casey. And I was thinking it was him. It kind of it reminds me of him. And he, he's a great voice actor and actor. He's really funny. Um, if anyone hasn't seen Other Space, I, I highly recommend it. I I will say this one other thing, and Mariah, I agree with you completely in the fact that the one thing I think it does really well is to present itself as an office comedy, right? A workplace comedy. Um, As in, what happens if you make a decision that that is normally made in the office all the time, and you take it to to its extreme, right? And then you just stay there for a little bit. Um, and so I thought that the premise was really smart. I just don't know that I thought it was that funny. Uh, okay, so for my hot freak, jumping in here, I really enjoyed this episode as well. I think I'm getting so much more a sense of the the work dynamic of this crew um, as, as they continue to kind of flesh everything out here. I love getting this other side of Mariner and her relationship with Ransom, uh, and the, the tension between her and the upper deck crew, not just her, her mother and Boimler proving that he's actually extremely adept both in last episode, um, when he needed to be in last episode and in this episode, uh, where he has to, um, yeah, he, he shows that he is extremely efficient and he's he's a person who needs that kind of structure and, and excels in it, uh, which makes it all all the more sweet. The uh, the Boimler, what was it called at the end? The Boimler Pro- edict? Protocol or something. Boimler protocol. Um, and how that kind of, uh, the Boimler effect, how that mm. goes against his entire ethos. Um, yeah, I, I think that, Mariah, you talking about this being an off, an office comedy is perfect. I think that's where I want this show to be. I like how it's addressing the, the, the caste system, the, the social structure and hierarchy of this ship of the, the people who are treated as office drones and made to just fill out task after task while the people up top get to just have fun adventures. And then, when things are micromanaged, it just goes sideways. I, I Yeah, I thought this was a really fun episode that kind of continued this tradition. And at this point, I have a really good sense of their approach to comedy, the beats that they take, and the, the pacing of everything. And it's feeling very comfortable to me. It is the type of comedy I enjoy and I'm wanting to watch week after week. So right now I'm sold. Yeah, I just saw Nathan Bliss commented, um, you know, the biggest threat to the ship was micromanagement and flawed. And then underneath it just says very relatable. And I think (laughs) anyone who has ever worked in a job and like as someone who has had to manage people before, like I know when you try to get down too granular, it just is going to come back and kick you right back in the butt. And so I felt for Captain Freeman in this episode, you know, (laughs) when she thinks she's doing the right thing because she wants her ship to excel. And there is this like constant comparison to the crew of the enterprise, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the enterprise is the ultimate ship and everyone wants to be the captain of the enterprise, but everyone can't be the captain of the enterprise. So you have to prove yourself in other ways to prove that like what you're doing is also 
of substance. And so I could really feel like for that character in this moment. Right. Right. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look at that going around. Who do you guys relate to more? I guess, do you need that kind of structure and, and timekeeping in order to execute projects or are you one of those? Let's pad everything out. I'll take care of this in my own time. I'll jump in and say um, the best way to get me to be the least productive possible is to schedule out, schedule my time for me, right? Um, I think giving me broad kind of guidelines and say, hey, this is what we need to done, get to done. How long can can how long is it going to take for you to get it done is the best way to get the most kind of efficiency out of me. So, yeah, I'm I'm much more like um Tendi than Boimler. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a I'm a to-do list person, but I don't put like time codes next to the to-do list, right? Like I I do love my calendar, but in that way that it's only for things that are like at hard set times rather mm-hmm. than like this is when I'm going to get this thing done. Um, so I think as far as like what character it's like, you know, I think I, I would want to be Mariner, but I know I'm not that cool. So I'm going to probably be closer to, you know, Tendi or to Rutherford, you know, I think Rutherford as well. Cause I can definitely see myself like when I'm really into a project, I get so focused, you know, like the rest of the world can sort of disappear for a while. And I think he's kind of that sort of worker. What about you, Grant? I, I'm kind of mixed because I'm not efficient and effective like Boimler, but I find that if someone else will just put particular parameters that they want something achieved by, I can get it done. Like, go ahead and say you want this tight deadline. I will figure out a way and I will execute it. But if if there's no kind of restraints on me, I will procrastinate until the day <laughs> after. <laughs> it's what I do. It, like, so I, I in, in part, I was like, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense to me. Like, people are just, like, wasting time. But it didn't seem to me on this ship that people suddenly being so much more busy and executing all these tasks made the ship more efficient. In fact, it seemed like there was a never ending list of things for them to do, which in my experience is never the case on any, in any place (laughs) I've worked. They, you will run out of stuff to do if you do your stuff too quickly. And then you just sit there and you're kind of bored. So it is absolutely the best way. It is just to pad it all out. Yeah, how, how many I, times they gotta like rechange those little like pod things everywhere? <laughs> I did have like slight flashbacks to like when I worked in service industry jobs, and there's like the there's always that manager who's like, if there's time for leaning, there's time for cleaning, and so you oh, had to yeah. just like find the weird. <laughs> like small task to make it look like you were busy when it wasn't busy, but so that they would leave you alone. You're just like, I'm just folding napkins forever. Like, (laughs) um, Chippy says, uh, she's a buffer worker when upper management realized they gave me a very important job and left me alone, like literal alone. Very pleased. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, so I loved in the kind of switching back to into the episode in mm. the cold open specifically. Um, I loved that through these jokes, we found out that Boimler is a total like mama's boy or there's something <laughs> going on with him and his relationship with his mom. And I kind of enjoyed like I like how they're peppering out all of these details about a character because I think with new shows, it can sometimes be really difficult to not want to like front load. Like here is all of the trauma about this character. That's going to make you want to believe in them. Um, And, you know, I think we've talked about how so far Boimler isn't as super likable and a little annoying, but it's like, I think as we've been going along so far, he's getting a little bit more likable or at least a little bit more interesting to me. Cause now I'm like, what is this situation with him and his mom. Cause I think about like on disco with Tilly and her mom and like mm. this expectation setting. So I'm, I'm hoping they're setting this up. So we get a little bit more information about his, um, his upbringing at some point. Cause we've gotten a little bit, I think about Mariner at this point, knowing that both of her parents are, you know, higher echelons in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, the Requiem for a Hug. (laughs) (laughs) That once I heard that title, I was like, no. (laughs) Now we need to unpack a lot more things about Mm -hmm. Boy But I I agree. Although I I guess I wasn't necessarily feeling as um, put off by him. I like the the anxiety ridden straight man character that he's providing to everyone else's kind of off kilter characters it it's a pretty formulaic i guess in certain regards but it makes a good balance for the inter the the dynamics of the characters when they're interacting and so i I was appreciating where he's kind of coming from and that like he's very much a stick to the books and want to want to climb the ranks but he clearly has a lot he needs to learn if he wants to play the social game i think yeah, and I think one thing that I really do appreciate about this show is it does feel TNG um, ask in the fact that Mariah, to your point, we it, it's not like we get these character, you know, just packages where it's like, okay, here's everything you need to know about Boimler, right? There's not this big monologue that just unpacks everything, but in traditional TNG fashion, the episode is centered on the mission. And in the context of that mission, we're going to pull out these little pieces of the characters that, that are eventually will give you a complete understanding of kind of their background. And then I imagine that at some point we're going to get some, you know, a very character specific episode or something, you know, where, you know, Deanna Troy's parents are are on the, the ship, stuff like that. Um, but it, something else that was interesting to me is that and the entire time that I saw Mariner and Ransom interact, he didn't treat her as though he knew who her mother was. Like he he didn't have that deference. Kind like of? like either way, he didn't like. There wasn't any references to it. It wasn't like you know you're mm. lucky that your mother's who she is. Otherwise, I'd be all over you or. You know, I've got to be extra hard on you. Like, there was nothing. I mean, he stabbed her in the foot. Like, like she was anybody else. So, a, I, I, it makes me wonder, does anyone know who she is? That's interesting. You know, I thought there's... Especially we saw this in last week's episode with Rutherford trying all the different jobs. Mm-hmm. But there's this real sense of um, respect for one's one's choices and one's individuality and maybe that isn't such a, a factor for other people on this ship maybe there is an awareness by a lot of people i don't get the sense that boimler knows at all mm-hmm. but um maybe ransom does know and just doesn't care just in the same way as like oh you want to transfer to a different job we absolutely love you here and you're great but we want whatever's best for you on the ship yeah, that's interesting to to think about. I'm wondering if it's going to be revealed next episode because we saw in the if you if folks watch the like coming soon little bit, she's walking out doing her sarcastic "Live long and prosper," <laughs> and um, and you know Ransom is right outside the door, and so I bet he's going to walk in and be like, "How are you letting you know um, her talk to you like that?" And, you know, who knows? She might brush it off and be like, it's complicated. Or she might reveal like, oh, because that's my kid, you know? So I, I do think I would agree with all our, our commenters here. I don't think people know quite yet. Yeah, um, it seems that most people are kind of of that opinion. Nate Blitz is saying he has a feeling Commander Ransom does know, but the first officer is supposed to oversee the crew. And so can just detach from that. True. It is interesting because I think we were presented in this episode or at least in the beginning of this episode with commander ransom, just kind of being this insufferable mimbo, right? This kind of dude who wants to be another Kirk kind of hero character, but who knows if, if he actually has the chops to kind of back it up and in his squabbling with Mariner, you see that he breaks rules, breaks po- protocol and wins her heart in a way, but also totally like destroys that. Um, I mean, that whole scene was definitely a um, Hulk versus Thor scene right out of uh, Thor Ragnarok, right? But uh, how, yeah. how he just whoops that dude's ass. It was like, oh, okay. This is a good scene. 
Yeah, I think Ransom is very much uh, the a himbo of the show, a handsome bimbo. Um, himbo, that's a turn. <laughs> yeah, himbo. And um, he, there's like that moment where he like walks back and he does the like arm snap thing. That's very that gif of Henry Cavill that's yeah, going around. He, he cocks his arms. He goes, pur, pur, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, okay, you're an animated thing, but I can tell they're trying to make me know that you're an attractive person in this universe. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I, the reference both to Ghost Protocol, or which I, I don't even remember which Mission Impossible movie that was, but the Henry Cavill scene yeah. and uh, the Thor Ragnarok stuff. I, I think it's interesting just kind of seeing these references they're making as well. Yeah, there's some fun ones. And, and Clyde, I wanted to kind of come back to you talking about how a lot of the characters are being, you know, set up more in the TNG sort of style of things. Um, there's even that moment in the, in the lift where Boimler is humming the theme song. He is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was reading this interesting article about how, you know, we, the show is canon. And so it becomes the question of are one, are there like theme songs to ships? That would be cool. (laughs) And then two, (laughs) um, the concept, you know, because obviously there is like music and culture that has translated and happens in scene. And I can't remember. There's like different terms in like film and, and television making of whether or not the sound that is happening is something that the characters can hear or something only the audience can hear, which is typically things like soundtrack and stuff like that. But then if you think about if characters are listening to a radio, then they are also hearing it. Um, so it's interesting to think about the idea that maybe some of this music that is so iconic to us has also somehow infiltrated and is also in the universe itself. Ooh, like it's some sort of like meta fourth wall breaking thing. Mm -hmm. Like does, is the, is a Star Trek esque show existing in the world of Star Trek? Do they watch the previous adventures of, of people on Kirk's ship, like as a, a, a televised kind of series? on their ship like you have plenty of years to like go by and watch media of the adventure adventures of other people and they're so revered i wouldn't see why there wouldn't be a fictionalized depiction of them right like it would be you know we have war movies Mm -hmm. now we have you know uh shows about police firefighters like all these things that are these like iconic institutions of culture um and, and things that are based on, you know, based on a true story. So why wouldn't there be, like, shows about Starfleet? <laughs> ah, I love that idea. I don't know why I hadn't thought of that before. Um, you know, you were talking a little bit about Ransom as well. And I was thinking of how in last week's episode, and a bit more this week, they've fleshed out some of these background characters more and more. And... We've seen such personality and quirks to each of them that, in a way, isn't this sort of feeling a little bit more like um, The Simpsons or or like Parks and Rec in which they're building not just your core team, but they're building this kind of cast of characters that they can just bring in for their known traits and like a a joke here or there? Um. I'm sorry. I read a comment and I zoned out on the last things you said. <laughs> I love funny. that honesty. I, I love that I honesty. Like, I, I feel like I needed to say something and I was like, oh, were you asking me a question? And then I'll, I was like, I was reading something that I wanted to bring up later. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in there for you, Grant. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, I'm not sure if I see it yet, but this idea that certain characters have they're it's almost like they're not full characters. Right. right, but they have a kind of a go-to punchline, and they come in for that particular element of comedic relief. I do think we're seeing that with the upper decks, particularly. Uh, I don't remember his name, but the, the big chief security of security, guy, right? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he <laughs> kind of comes in for the same note, right? Um, and he also the chief medical officer kind of does the same thing. Um, I think Ransom is the first time that we're seeing a more developed character, Ransom and, and Captain, or as Boimler would say, Cap'n. Um, <laughs> I think, so I'm I, I'm trying to hold out to see if 
we're going to get some more development from some of that other senior staff so that they're not just this kind of like, to your point from, from The Simpsons, this Apu-like character or Chief Wiggum. Right, yeah. I'm wondering, especially as they they are going to continue to expand their Rolodex of voice actors that they can kind of bring in here or there to voice someone. And it's interesting that they have, you know, such notable names like, like Jerry O'Connell doing Ransom and like how many episodes will he even voice something on this is probably one day for an entire season. He just comes in and reads a bunch of lines and, and bounces out of there. Um, they, they have that for everyone. Yeah. And so once they kind of build up this kind of quirky ensemble, I, I, I think it's just going to be more and more enriching as this, this show and its format continues. Yeah, now that I have heard a recap of what you said, Grant, I <laughs> I would uh I, I think the show is gonna be smart in how they use the upper deck characters to sort of pepper in larger storylines because all of these lower deck characters are looking for some sort of um, mentor in a sense. And so I think we'll probably get a lot more of those like mentor mentee sort of moments and hopefully that'll sort of garner some deeper character building for these, um, you know, quote unquote, you know, smaller characters on this particular show. Um, but because like you were saying, um, Clyde, like they have Jerry O'Connell, like they have a pretty deep Rolodex, uh, like mm-hmm. Paul Shear, like the voice actors that they've managed to bring in are very, um, notable, but I also think it's going to be interesting as it's, uh, it's just such an interesting time in general for how entertainment is going to move forward currently without the ability to do large scale productions. And so I'm thinking because we've now launched an animated show, like we'll probably see low, like a season two of lower decks, I think a lot sooner than we would normally see something like that just because they are able to um, do this kind of stuff from home. Um, right. So, yeah, I think because of that and because of who they already have on deck, we're going to see that character building happening, but they're never going to be. I don't think they'll ever take the main stage of what's going on just because that's not what this show is. But I am very interested in this sort of uh, Mariner ransom possible romantic relationship, but it could also just be Mariner wants to hook up with the the hunky dude at the top of the totem pole, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that, that kind of uh dynamic, I think it's, it's not unfamiliar. The, the, the hostile combative, but obviously romantic interest kind of relationship that's going on between them. Um, the extra layer of, of what's interesting is, the obvious um, power differential between them in that he's upper decks, she's lower decks and his um, boss is her mom. (laughs) I think all of that is, is why I definitely want to see more of that explored. Uh, And uh, it seems like both of them were kind of caught surprised by this undeniable, but secret attraction that they both kind of share for each other. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like an early, you know, just to reference, I think, back to another workplace comedy. It's like an early Parks and Rec episode where Ben Wyatt has to meet Leslie Nope's mom, who is this sort of like powerhouse of a woman who ends up hitting on Ben. Right. <laughs> and like it becomes like a funny, awkward situation. Um, you know, I think that could also, you know, if... Ransom is someone who finds himself, you know, like attracted to women who sort of break the rules and um, are capable of leadership as well. You know, anyway, I just think the possibilities are really endless of what could be fun. Right. As Chris Rogers says, banging pots and pans together, enemies to lovers, enemies to lovers, Ransom and Mariner sitting in a tree. You know, I, I think one thing that's interesting is um, when you think about that and you talk about these upper decks and lower decks, you know, I was kind of thinking about this earlier that Star Trek has this a bit of a naval history to it. So when you think about kind of their ranking and, and the way they, they're they structured, it's very kind of U.S. Navy. 
Um, and in the Navy, you've got these regulations about kind of fraternizing with kind of on the same or particularly within rank. But that never seems to be quite the issue in Star Trek, does it? Like, And, and so the question is, outside of the fact that he's like, that's kind of hot, and he's talking about the daughter of his captain, which he may not know. May, may, may not. He may not know. There may not be an issue there, which could be fascinating if they were to hook up and it all came out. I know that the earlier shows of Star Trek were made in a different era, and probably people would uh, not even think as much about the problems of of dating subordinates. Uh, uh, but has was that addressed in other Trek episodes? Like this kind of like I'm your boss, but we're we're interested in each other that you guys can recall. I mean, there is some like tension built, I think, with like um, Tom Paris and Bellana Torres's relationship on Voyager. Um, and then towards the end, Seven of Nine has a, a relationship with Chakotay, who is the first officer as well. So spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> spoilers for show. <laughs> what? So, um, <laughs> You know, and and actually, lately I've seen there's like a Twitter account that has it's like voyage inappropriate Voyager gifts, and so it's just a lot of Janeway and Chakotay talking about how much they want to bang each other. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll try to repost something so people can find it. But anyway, I just say that I think that particular dynamic. Um, that's also true. Yeah, I don't think that particular dynamic was ever really brought up in the way that I think it would be hopefully addressed in today's, um, you know, modern writing room. Yeah, I, I would imagine there'd be a little bit more attention and delicacy paid to um, the, the potentially problematic effects <laughs> of well, that I relationship. Think, I think today it's an opportunity to say something, mm-hmm. right? I think in the in the 90s, Star Trek was saying, hey, here's the utopian, right? And then in utopia, and the way we see the Federation of the future, all these things that are issues today, people have just gotten past, right? We don't even use money. There's no currency because we don't need it. Um, And so I think the way we, we can look back on that is, yes, there's some tension between, you know, Picard and Crusher, Right. There's a little bit of tension there, but it didn't. But that tension was more due to the fact that this is the widow of his best friend than it does with the fact that, you know, she serves under him Mm. on the ship. Right. And we see this love triangle between Troy and Riker and Worf. Right. Um, Like there's. Yeah. I mean, there's so much where it's like, yeah. It has nothing to do with the regulations that we not, we're not together. We're just not together. Uh, the people in our comments are impressive. <laughs> P- pose a question about um, answers. About, yeah, track and uh, relationships, and like everyone's just kind of rolling in with all sorts of stuff. And I don't even because I don't know track. I don't even know if they're just making up names. But we should. Uh, this should be a fun quiz we do sometime with you, Grant. Um. <laughs> Which is a real name of a character, yeah. which did we just make up? Yeah. Um, what did y'all think about um, the um, the ali- the Gar- oh goodness, what's the, the alien name? species? Yeah, our aliens. The- I mean, it it seemed funny and uh, absurdist, I guess, that they're presented as these the Gelrakians. Crystal worshiping, like kind skater of. punks. Like they look like '90s punks with their little vests, right? <laughs> like. L- little hippie, little skater punk, but also a little bit primitive in that they're using spears. And I think they make a few references to that. Like our ship's getting taken over by people <laughs> wielding <The> spears. spears. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, obviously, either it was a perfect timing kind of issue, which I, I guess it was. That's kind of what they were hinting at with like the ship was in disarray and that's why they were caught off guard. But also they seemed pretty uh, effective 
and mo- all, most of what they wanted to do was just graffiti the place. <laughs> I yeah. love that they're just like like Reapers, just like graffitiing the ship and making it more punk rock. <laughs> well, I, I love this message of, you know, we're going to be so focused on efficiency that we can't even save ourselves from an inept enemy, right? Like once they decided to 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 throw the rule book out of the window, it was a pretty easy victory, right? Like right. we're not even necessarily talking about like phaser <laughs> they, victory. Like they they're beat just them beating with them iPads. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Banging great. them over the head with tablets. So but but all of that was for naught because they were so focused on on time management. Right, right. Um JC also- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I love the line when the um, the guy on the away mission gets hit with the spear and he's like, I'm going to die. And Mariner's just like, we live on a spaceship. You're not going to die from a spear wound. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, J- JC said Riker seduced an alien dude named Baron Von Grant in an episode. Trust me, I watched all the episodes. And I just got to ask you guys, is that legit? Or, uh, is this just a joke on me? Am I a joke to you? Um, I'm just going to keep drinking my beverage. <laughs> I, <Yeah>. I noticed. <laughs> Leaving me hanging here. Um, but yeah, I liked, um, I just thought there's lots of fun things on the, on the planet sort of timeline beyond even the, the will they, won't they now that we've set up for Mariner and Ransom. You know, we have the away mission gone wrong because they brought down a piece of wood instead of <laughs> a crystal. Um, but I think it speaks to like sort of, uh, you know, I worked for a short, short time in like a lobbyist office. And I have to tell you, a lot of our laws are passed based upon who gives the best muffin baskets. And so that, <laughs> like, I thought the, like the joke, the idea that they just brought the wrong gift and it ruined everything. I was like, yeah, that happens. You bring <laughs> yeah. the wrong muffin basket. They don't like poppy seeds. Your bill is out the window. Like, <laughs> And it's it's sad but true. So I I felt the realism in that moment. <laughs> yeah, um, the crystal references. Uh, were were they making some other like inside references to other crystals in uh, Trek? I mean, we get a lot of them. We have time crystals. We have dilithium crystals. crystals yep. um, I did like that moment when they are like trying to come through the door um, and uh, the. Uh, Bajoran security officer has to say is trying to hold them back and they're just like give us your crystals and they're like we don't have any but the dilithium ones but we can't give those to you so it's the I thought it was like a fun kind of like joke about the fact that crystals are used so much in Trek but the idea that this one particular uh, you know uh, culture worships them but they're sort of useless in their regard besides to graffiti things <laughs> crystals were sharp. big in crystals were big in uh, star wars too like kyber tr- crystals or whatever for uh for lightsabers yeah what's i mean the 60s i guess when they they're were having made. <laughs> i mean they're having a moment of resurgency i don't know how many celebrities and friends i see telling me they're recharging their crystals under a full moon so it's you know it's having a moment again all praise to the crystals. <laughs> the crystals? Give um, me your crystals. <laughs> I liked when he was in the bar and he looked at the um, the glassware and he was like, the crystals! Because <laughs> it's just like any shiny object. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to go ahead and open things up to the comments and let you listeners know if you're watching us currently over on youtube please feel free to chime in with your thoughts and comments and we're going to try and uh, pop on some of those and address them now as well wait grant you yeah. you can't forget to talk about like one of the best moments of the entire show miles o'brien miles oh. o'brien like that was a i mean who you have to tell Cole me that Meany. at that moment I know who Cole is. when they were like you know now let's talk about someone who was really the greatest. It, there was a split moment, a pause where you're like, who, who, who? And all these names are kind of running through your your <laughs> mind. And they're like, Miles O'Brien. And he's standing behind a con, a, a con panel. I was like, that's hilarious. Uh, is there something deeper to that like that I don't know? Because I, I'm aware of Cole Meany. 
and him being kind of like a, a racist asshole on the ship. <laughs> I mean, there are those moments, uh, but I, I found an interesting sort of breakdown from inverse.com um, where they are talking about some of the uh, references on this particular episode. Um, but then we get the statue of O'Brien who is our first legacy cameo, like actual physical like view of that. So we get to see him in the sort of cartoonified version, which is fun besides just a name drop. Um, and then they also like, there's a couple of other references. Boimler is holding one of the greatest birds of, uh, of the galaxy, which is actually apparently a reference to the nickname given to Gene Roddenberry, the great bird of the galaxy, which Sulu oh. also references in a blessing. A terrible in, nickname. Uh, but it, Sulu mentions it in the man trap, which is the first episode of star Trek that ever aired. Um, it also, the fine, uh, the scene also seems to reference the final scene, uh, according to the article in uh, battle for the planet of the apes, the original 1973 um, in which school children of the distant future are being told about how all of the characters are sort of remembered. Mm. Um, and then the other big thing in that particular scene is we see a tiny Borg child in a classroom mm-hmm. with other Starfleet members. And so because it doesn't specify when in the future this is, we then have to assume there's a couple of, of options there. Like either the Borg has joined the Federation or is this an XB child that's now being educated? You know, there's like all of these different sort of possibilities that, that come with that. So I thought that was, um, you know, an interesting thing to sort of point out and perhaps we'll see on season three of discovery because we're also so far in the future. Perhaps we're now friends with the Borg. Who knows? One Borg and two Ferengi. Yes. Um, Chris Rogers says, walk into a bar. How do you feel about the balance between the jokes, references and plot substance slash potential force substance? Um, I, I think that this show has a lot of heavy expectations. They have to kind of shoulder at the start there. This is a very known and very protected and revered property and they have to walk a very tight line between how much humor they can get away with and how heavy and deep they can go with a show. I don't think they can go full on like multi-layered super um, densely packed jokes like um, like like Rick and Morty. I don't think they can mm-hmm. go really deep and, and and dark and emotional with like BoJack Horseman right out the gate but they i think they're doing a really good job of striking that balance and making it feel like it exists and i could be talking about my ass i'm gonna go ahead and apologize because uh you guys know trek a lot better than i but it feels akin to what i've taken to mean the spirit of trek and i think they're doing a really good job at the start of this to introduce us to the world before they want to maybe potentially dive into something that's even heavier or, or, or jokes that are a little bit too off the wall. And I definitely won't get, (laughs) I, I I would say I'm not expecting this show to get too heavy into plot. I think the Star Trek franchise, franchise, (laughs) the Star Trek franchise has a ton of heavy plot driven shows i think for this show to be successful first and foremost it has to be funny so i mean as a comedy and star trek's really first comedy it's got to be funny i think the references are also they do it's fan service right so and in a 25 minute format i just don't know how much plot you're gonna get like the the plot that we're used to the plot that we're expecting and i'm okay with that Right, you're talking about a show that's fitting currently between kind of Picard and Discovery, and at some point we're gonna have, you know, uh, a brave, not a brave new world, a strange new world, and Section Thirty One. We're gonna have all these shows. This is this is a nice. I, I I like it for that. In this, I don't know that I need an animated, heavy plot driven, not that funny show. It's a respite. Yes. 
Yeah. And I think they're doing a smart job of like building some pieces of canon that we haven't seen before and using animation in order to do that in a smart way, specifically with all of the different, um, you know, alien worlds we're getting to see. I think that's like a smart use of building canon in an animated show. The original series also, I think, sought to do those things that weren't capable at the time in special effects you know more in when i said the original animated series um Mm. in this reference and you know much like the original animated series we do that show was definitely a little bit more plot serious but it was much lighter there was jokes in it and so i think this is a natural evolution and because we have lower stakes because it's lower decks i think the opportunity for more jokes are available um and you know i think they've been smart in how they've just written four funny um likable so far characters for us to enjoy you know we don't have anyone so far with like a deep dark past although we might eventually get to that moment but i think by that time we've sort of gotten to know the show a little bit more um like you're saying grant you can't like go full deep depression on your first episode usually you never Um, go full bojack no no full (laughs) bojack on the first step um but i think you get there i saw that with like um like i love tuca and birdie that's like one of my favorite animated shows Mm -hmm. and like it is very light and funny at the beginning but then by the end of the season they're talking about some very serious concepts and ideas but you're like very vested in these characters at this point. And so you're along for the ride. So I'm That's hoping the bait and switch. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping they'll sort of follow that same, that same pathway. Um, but yeah, so far I'm enjoying it. I also am just someone who's like at this point in like my day to day, if you can bring me out of what this world I'm living in and bring me somewhere else and I'm having a good time, I'm like down for the ride. So <laughs> good escapism. Right. right. Um, here's a, here's a mean question for us from EJ, EJ Zog. So which of the three new Star Trek would you choose to see continue on if you could only pick one? And I don't know why we would even have to. We're getting uh, more. Why do we need to pick just one? (laughs) (laughs) They they can't limit it to just one. They're, they're going full crazy. Um, I think if we're talking Picard, yeah, I think we're all dropping Picard. <laughs> yeah, but if we're talking, yeah, if we're talking Picard, um, Lower Decks and Discovery, that's an easy choice for me. It's Discovery. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I mean, would, I would definitely keep Discovery. Yeah, that's the, the it's the cream of the crop right now. But you know, ask that question again when Strange New World comes out, and it could be hard, it could be a tougher ch- choice. True. Uh, let's see. Chris Rogers says, Pod, it definitely feels like the like episodic plots are more broad strokes in the realm of Trek stereotypes. But over the course of the season, there's potential for deeper storylines that aren't so heavy. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've definitely seen um, the paces come down just, just a little bit from like the pilot episode, I think, giving us a little bit more time for these smaller moments, you know, I think to allow things like the cold open to be a true cold open and to be very funny and give us like a little lighthearted, like welcome to the episode. Um, you know, we get to see more uh, because we've been with these characters longer. We get to see if there's any reoccurring jokes. We get to start building on the jokes that have already been established. Um mm-hmm. You know, something like uh, Dr. Tiana, like her with the like, well, now you look like a a goddamn cat scratching post like at the end. I thought that was like very it's a it's an easy joke, but I liked that they threw it in there because we're all thinking it. So (laughs) why not just put it out there? (laughs) Uh, We got a couple interesting comments about um, Ransom. Uh, P.W. Gregory says Ransom winning the fight by primarily using the patented starfleet fleet double-fisted punch got me and uh kern says ransom gives speeches like picard but fights interlocked fist style like kirk which i thought i, I thought it's interesting the, the idea that uh ransom might be this kind of hybrid character yeah I, I i thought those were fun smart references and the idea that this you know he wins the fight because the aliens actually like listening to what he's saying more than he's like tired of taking the punches um, this question is going to be for y'all, 
Uh, what Trek themes do you want to see poked fun at in Lower Decks? Because oh. I'm not necessarily as... I, I don't know. Like, what, what are some tedious... I feel like any of the hokey things I, I kind of vaguely have seen in earlier Trek, um, they already kind of just move past that in like discovery and even a little bit in Picard. So, Oh, I want, I want like the longest explanation of how they're going to fix a problem in Star Trek technical speak. I think that is just something that happens every episode across (laughs) the board. Yeah. I think about like one time I, I was listening to a panel with people who wrote for like medical shows like Grey's Anatomy and they're like, yeah, in the scripts, because we need to talk to our consultants, we just write things that say medical speak, medical speak, medical speak. And so I'm like, I know when they're like in the general writer's room for a first draft, you know, there's just those points that just say like Star Trek solve problem, Trek magic, <laughs> like whatever they want to put there until they can like sort of talk to the the science consultants and like figure out the right way to do it as close to real science as possible. So I really hope they get to the point where someone's just like standing at a desk and it's just like, it's okay, sir, we're going to throw uh, this gadget into the temporal loop and we're going to cause a backdraft that's going to send us through a wormhole that inevitably will bring <laughs> us out to the other side and everything will be okay. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I guess it would be kind of fun to um, see them play off of the evil mirror verse maybe a little bit in this, mm. but, but where it isn't necessarily so absurdly or maybe they take it even more absurdly over the top with how mustache twirly bad guy it is to the point where it's it's so comical they can't even take this other side seriously yeah also like we it's just a world some, of hitlers like some what time is travel some try yes. time travel has to happen I, i'm there are a couple of things i'm interested in and we've we've got we had a, a sneak peek at a couple of them right um misuse or inappropriate use of the holodeck. We got a glimpse of that early on. So I'm glad that they, they kind of poke fun at that. Um, the fact that everybody is so healthy all the time, um, I, I kind of want them to explore that a little bit. I love the fact that on this episode, uh, the captain was looking, was like, why are you guys walking so slow? Because in truth, when you see them pan to a ship, everybody is just kind of like chilling and strolling like, hey, how you doing today? Like, what's he? Like, that is what we see in the background. But the one that I'm kind of curious about still is this sense that in almost every track, right, whether it's LaForge or Torres or Jet Reno or Scotty, there's always this last minute save by the engineer who's frantic and running around like a crazy person, and then they get it done. Like, I kind of want to see them explore that and poke fun at that a little bit. Right. I, you know, in the last episode, um, I, I still feel like, man, I missed out on talking about how, how fun episode two was. Cause it was really fun. I keep thinking about mm-hmm. it even more so than episode three, honestly. But, um, when, when Rutherford, uh, switches, uh, jobs, to um, be security, and he's like, "No, nah, my passion is just to be in engineering." Um, but I love that, like that idea that he was able to just morph into security and fit alongside them so well as well. And I wonder how much they're going to explore what all his little um, his little eyepiece can do going forward. Sorry, that comment. I d- Scotty <laughs> made his reputation off of buffer time. It's a good one. <laughs> that is hilarious. Scotty did make his reputation off of buffer time and being that engineer who could <laughs> so save the day with that last minute bubblegum duct tape yes. attaching to a wire makes it all better situation. <laughs> uh, you know what? Listeners, I want to thank you all for checking us out live over on our YouTube. We really appreciate it. And you guys have been awesome today um, with all the comments, all the feedback. It's been a lot of fun to engage this week's episode with y'all. And on that note, uh, remember, you guys can always find us live on YouTube every Thursday talking about Trek. And of course, we're going to be covering Lower Decks every single week until it's done and guess what happens as soon as that one's done discovery season three starts up and we're going to jump right over to that and we're never going to stop talking about trek because probably by the time we're done with that 
Picard's going to be back or Section 31. I don't even know. Um, You'll see. Season three, season two, and three of Lower Decks will be ready for us by then. I mean, it's going to be a double-fisted punch in the gut. I'm excited. (laughs) Uh, Also, do not forget, you can still join us over on patreon.com slash star trek pod um and check out our back catalog including our badass women of trek series we also have our best of seven of nine we have also been making our way through the kelvin verse movies i think we just have one more left to go um and at this point i'm gonna have to re-rent it and watch it again (laughs) right i think i watched half of it and then we like had to delay and i was like Oh, I forgot. But what it's happened. gonna happen. Um, but yeah, and if there are other pieces of Trek that you want us to talk about, specifically old Trek, you can let us know at the in our Slack channel for just two dollars an episode. So please join us over there. They're doing watch parties all the time. The folks in our Slack channel are literally the best people. I love them so much. Yeah, they are. So join us over there. They're pretty cool. Yeah. And you can follow us anytime you want on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek Pod. Uh, please tweet about the episode. You had a good time listening to us. Tell your friends. Uh, I want to shout out two people who help make our socials happen. Karen, who runs our Twitter, and James Worm, who helps run our Insta. Thanks, James. Thank Thanks, you. Karen. Thank you to them. And thank you so much again for joining us over on Star Trek Discovery Pod. Clyde. Where can people follow you? You can find me on Twitter at Clyde Haynes, and you can find me on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. Mariah, where can people find you online? I'm at Mariah Gossett on all social platforms. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. You can find me at Baron Von Grant over on uh, Twitter, over on Instagram. You can also follow our, our fearless captain, uh, hopefully he's he's won that mud wrestling competition against the Ferengi, and uh, he's back online. So you can go follow him at Mike M Garcia on Twitter, and uh, be sure to come back and check us out on our live pod next Thursday at 9 p.m. Central. Until then, who wants to do it? Who wants to do it? Live long and prosper. Bye.